Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. We are looking live, ladies and gentlemen, from Ron Hoover RV here in Georgetown. We are kicking off their spring extravaganza, and it is a hell of an extravaganza, folks. Come on out here. If you're in the neighborhood, we'll be out here until 6.15, but if not, don't worry. Saturday and Sunday, the extravaganza continues. You can come out here and get the best deals on uh, over 200 RVs and boats and mowers in stock. They got everything you need out here at Ron Hoover RV in Georgetown. We'll give you some more details about how you can be a lucky winner at the spring extravaganza. But right now, we're all the lucky winners because uh, we are privileged to listen to uh, the great music of some very talented human beings. And you have a chance to listen to them live. Who's jamming right now, Patrick? This is Candy and the Motherload, and they are playing Saturday at Geraldine's. Oh, Geraldine's. I'm, yeah, I've, I've eaten at Geraldine's. This is the same place, right? Yeah, it's, it's like, over at uh, Hotel Van Zandt. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, good food, too. Good fan of Geraldine. like the ambiance there, Geraldine's. I never was there when they had live music. That's got to be really cool as well. So thanks to my man Patrick, always hooking us up on a 512 Friday. If you missed any part of 512 Fridays or any of these suggestions, you can go to hornfm.com, and you can catch up with them right there. Oh, it's uh, a jazz spot. Okay. Oh, yeah, Geraldine's is nice. You, okay. you should take wifey there for a date night. She would love it. It's really cool. Yeah, it's got nice, like, it's a little dark, you know what I mean, romantic yeah. uh, setting. Trying to see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a nice little spot. I went, I've went. i gone there a couple of times now um, and really enjoy it. And the food is pretty damn good, too. All right, let's get into spring, Texas spring football. Oh, before we do that, let the folks know, Harge, uh, why they need to come out here to the spring extravaganza. Now, the DJ is gone. Yep, Sorry, guys. Yep, yep. The DJ is gone. He'll be gone. back tomorrow. He'll be back tomorrow. Yeah. So the DJ is gone. The snow cone lady who made the, the most extravagant snow cones <laughs> you've ever seen in your life with Rice Krispie treats and, uh, yeah, I think it had whipped cream on it. It and had everything Popsicle uh, in it. I mean, that thing was it was unbelievable. Uh, that is also gone, but it'll be back. It'll be back tomorrow. This weekend. But there are also some ways they can win some great prizes they come out here to run Hoover RV. If you can come out here right now, you can get some free hats as hey, well. They're giving those hats away. I love free hats. Everybody loves free hats. Yeah, you, right. you can also sign up to get raffle prizes, which will be a 55-inch TV. Oh. A Blackstone Grill. I see the grill. Yo, that thing is beautiful. It is nice. I was just talking to my buddy the other day about Ooh. getting me one of them. I put my name up in there and see what they're going to work with. <laughs> and you can also register for a bad boy string trimmer. That's right. You can go out there and ride. We've been looking at it. It looks like it's battery powered. Hey. So you will be able to use that and trim up your yard. Hey, Let's man. go ahead and get that done. I'm just trying to go grain, help the environment out. That's right. Drawing what? is tomorrow. Yes. Drawing is tomorrow, but come out and put your name on there. And if you can't come out today, definitely come out here tomorrow and all weekend and come enjoy these fine folks over here. Yeah, uh, there you go. All right, so plenty of reasons for you to come out here and enjoy the uh, the festivities out here at the spring extravaganza out here at Run Hoover RV. Um, okay, let's get back to some Texas spring football discussion. Uh, one of the things I, I – I want to get into just, you know, because we obviously will get back into this in Raj round the day. So we'll continue this Texas football discussion Mm -hmm. into Raj round the day. Um, But talking about the defense and where we think the defense can go from here. Remember last year was one of the greatest turnarounds we've ever seen for a Texas defense. Uh, I mean, they basically in, in, in 2021, they were 99th in scoring defense. And in 2022, they were 28th in scoring defense. That is a hell of a turnaround. That is one hell of a turnaround. It's amazing. And we've seen a couple of these happen on the 40 acres actually before. We've seen a couple of turnarounds that have been uh, similarly drastic 
uh, by Texas. And one of the things that I've identified throughout the years, at least in recent years, I want to say in the last 15 years on the 40 acres, when you're looking at the defense, and if I was building a defense, I would probably construct it in this manner. When I look at a defense and, and, I'm, and I'm looking at how impactful they are and how effective defense is, and obviously looking here at Texas in recent years, one thing that seems to be a commonality is the central nervous system of the defense is really sound and strong. What I mean by central nervous system of the defense, I mean right up the spine of the defense. Right? So I'm talking about your interior defensive line, your linebackers, and your safeties. And if you can throw your nickel in there, because that's kind of the middle, the uh-huh. spine of your, of your defense. And you go look at the, the, the really good defenses for Texas in the last few years when they do have these. And I, you can actually track it because they haven't had really elite defenses that often. Say defenses that can finish uh, in or around the top 30 in scoring defense. Right, that would that year that puts you in that conversation. Uh, remember, 2011, Texas did this. Uh, they were 33rd in the country. Uh, I think they allowed 22.2 points per game. Uh, it also happened in 2014. Remember, this was a Manny Diaz first year, basically. Yep. It was right. It was, Van, it was Vance Bedford's first year defensive mm-hmm. coordinator. They were 32nd in scoring defense. And then after that, they were 87th and 91st. In 2017, they were 29th in scoring defense first year for Todd Orlando. Uh, that was a theme. And then uh, and then they fell off a cliff. Not fell off a cliff, but it was 57, 65. They didn't, they didn't finish around that top 30 mark. And this year they were. They were 28th in scoring defense after being 99th last year, and they were allowing just 21.6 points per game. And you go look at what those defenses have in common, and honestly a lot of what they had in common – was that central nervous system I talked about. That strength of those defenses was right up the spine of the defense. That 2011 uh, team that I was just talking about with, you know, Manny Diaz uh, and that group, I mean, think about, you know, you had Manny Acho, Keenan Robinson, Blake Gideon who started mm-hmm. more games than any other DB in the history of DBU. Keiston Randall ended up playing in the Keystone league for Randall. a little while. Your central nervous system was straight. I mean, it was a strength of your team because it's also your – that's your communication center yep, too. Yep. Your inside linebacks, off-ball linebackers, they're making all your checks. They're making all your audibles, your safeties. They see the formation. They see the, the, uh, the wide receivers and their sets. They're the ones who are making those checks. They're, you know, obviously air traffic controllers getting everybody lined up in the right place and making all the audibles. So not only is your central nervous system, it's your communication center. Mm-hmm. So you need all those guys to have what? High football IQ. Definitely need so that. So they can process better. And that's what Manny Acho, hey, high football IQ. Yep. Kenny Robinson played in the league, high football IQ. Blake Gideon, <laughs> guy's a coach now. Yep. Dad was a coach, high football IQ. And you can replicate that too th- throughout the years. The 2014, um, that defense, you know, remember they lost, uh, sorry, they had on that defense and lost the next year. The reason they fell off a cliff, they had Malcolm Brown, first round D tackle. Yep. Jordan Hicks. And off-ball linebacker inside. Smart, smart. Right? Uh, Quandre Diggs was one of your uh, your nickelbacks Covering there. Covering that backside. Yep. You had, remember they moved Mikel Thompson from corner to, I mean, from uh, corner to safety. Um, and they kept moving him around. But that was a guy, that got drafted higher than Quandre Diggs, strangely enough. That was weird. Yeah. Uh, then they moved, but honestly, Mikel Thompson was a better natural corner. But anyway, I digress. But you still had a strength of that central nervous system of the defense. Your D tackle, your off-ball linebackers, and your safeties were all strengths. And the same thing, honestly, you could throw out there in 2017. Uh, Todd Orlando's first year, 
Tyrell Orlando, I mean, you go look at that group. You had Puna Ford, who was a beast still in the league. Malik Jefferson, Deshaun Elliott, both of those guys. You know, Malik Jefferson. Oh, don't forget, I forgot about um, Gary Johnson. Gary, yeah, I was trying to say. Can't forget about Gary Johnson. Speed demon, was, track yeah. star. Matter of fact, you're, you're, you're two linebackers. Hey, you were faster than the rest of your DBs. Gary Johnson and Malik Jefferson are arguably faster than the rest of your secondary that year. And you still had Deshaun Elliott, who's now playing in Miami, right? Yep. Yeah, he, he's, he's there with Brandon Jones. Uh, Brandon Jones, shout yep, out. Uh, yep. And so my point is, once again, central nervous system, Puna Ford, Gary Johnson, Malik Jefferson, Deshaun Elliott. You were, that guy was a Jim Thorpe Award finalist. Yes, he was. You were really strong up the central nervous system of the defense. So let's go to last season, right? Yep. You're at the deepest interior defensive line, interior de- defensive line in the country. You're at Moral Ojimo, Kendra Coburn, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins, Vernon Broad, you were deep. Like I said, it was the deepest interior D-line in the country. Vernon, it has even, already been brought. Not even Bama or Clemson could say they were that deep on the right. interior D-line. That's crazy, but it was just the truth. So you were strong there. Oh, let's start talking about Jalen Ford, who had the best year, arguably, of any player in the conference defensively. He didn't win defensive player of the year, but different discussion. Uh, you had him and you had DeMarvion Overshone playing his best football. Yes, you did. At that off-ball linebacker spot. And the safeties, you just brought him up. Jaron Thompson had a great year in, um, in coming back. And Anthony Cook actually he did. overachieved as well. And this year you bring what back. With a position change. With a position change. Yep. And your nickel was good. Yes. Today Barron was a damn good player. Was ridiculous. That's your good. central nervous system. Yeah. You got high football IQ guys there with veteran experience who are performing at a high level. Your defense is going to be good if your central nervous system is good. That's why it's so important this year. And it's going to be good this and year. And you brought in Jalen Catalan to be on the backside of it, who we all know is a beast. A beast. And I hope he can be healthy because that's been his only problem. If he can get healthy, then the game changes on that back end too. Yeah, so that's why I think this defense this year is going to be good again. Yep. Um, usually when I've noticed the drop-off Texas has, when they go from you know a top 30-type defense to – like in 2011, they went from 33rd to then 74th and 57th. 2014 went from 32nd to 87th and 91st. 2017, they went from 29th to 57th and 65th. And if you go look at it, one of the commonalities between those drop-offs is that they lose key figures and key pieces in their central nervous system. Not this year. They did lose to Marvin Overshawn. But if you can replace him with, hopefully, David Bender's playing yeah. out of this world, best version of himself, young Anthony Hill, if he can step up. Uh, you just brought up Jalen Catalan taking the place of an Anthony Cook, but even Keen Crawford yep. playing Keen his, Crawford. That's his right. best football. That's so right. your central nervous system, you're bringing back all the guys from last year and the few guys you do have to replace, like Moro Ojemo and Kendrick Coburn, you're still going to be deep on that interior D-line next year. It's still going to be your strength. Coach Sark has already said Byron Murphy is the best pass rusher, essentially unblockable. You got Tavondre Sweat, that guy's going to play on Sunday. Too. And Alfred Collins, the war daddy, ooh, ooh, ooh. we're pre, we're hoping, we're praying. <laughs> Everybody's praying that you can bring that, that the Bo Davis can bring out the war daddy and that guy. And if he does, that's also going to be a huge strength for you. So right, the reason I'm high on the defense this year is because the central nervous system. And then the peripheral nervous system, which are your corners and your edge rushers. That may be something to be concerned about because we're, we're waiting on that field corner. Exactly. We don't know who it's going to be. Could be yep. Terrence Brooks. Could be Gavin Holmes. Uh, and you're waiting on that edge rusher opposite of Baron Sorrell. Who is it going to be? Ethan Burke. You brought him up. Yep. People talked about him. It's going to be Justice Finkley. It's going to be him. So those are positions who are really important because when you get outside the central nervous system, what you need, if you're building a defense, right? I tell you, if I'm a GM or a, or a coach, how you construct a defense, start with the central nervous system and start with high IQ instinctual football players there. But then when you get to those other peripheral nervous system positions, like cornerback and edge, 
You need guys that can do one thing, one thing, simplify, can win one-on-ones. Yep. Because those guys are in one-on-ones. The guys in the interior, the safeties, they're not one-on-ones. They're not facing another man and having to beat that man play after play. They're right. not doing that. Corners do that. All right? Your nickel's going to do that. Your edge rusher does that. Going to get that same left tackle or right tackle every time. The entire so game. Those guys, yep. specifically those players, when you recruit those guys, just find guys that can win. Find players that can If that guy can't win one-on-ones or he can't cover one-on-one, then don't give that guy a scholarship. And I think that's the difference that's now. It. I think the, the way that they've been recruiting and the way that they've been processing certain things, you're seeing that from these guys. When we brought back in Ryan Watts, this was a guy that Texas was on before. Agreed. And then when he came, you saw it. He's like, uh-oh, this dude, can, he's got it. He's mm-hmm. got it. And then you see growth from a lot of the other players. We were talking last year about Deshaun Jameson, how we thought he would be more of a safety type of feel. But he ended up balling out in the secondary. He had the most starts at the corner position and continue, and he won the job. I don't know he if won he, it back. He did, but I don't know if the, the coaches were happy with him. I think about toward the end of the year, he's playing less. Yeah, he was playing he less. Was, it wasn't because of health reasons. They were playing the young Terrence Brooks because they wanted Terrence a player who could be. win consistently in one-on-ones without protection. The key is for Sark, he wants, he wants to be able to play man-to-man coverage on the back end. Nick Saban has always said best coverage defensively is man-to-man coverage. The problem with that is most teams in college can't play man-to-man coverage. Why? They don't have the dogs to do it. Yep. That's why Ohio State, LSU – they're the ones playing man, Bama, playing man-to-man coverage. Why are they recruiting five-star, the best corners in the country, to do it? Yeah, Everybody else has got to develop those guys and develop that skill set. So Jalen Gilbo was the other one that, that came in and played yeah, a he lot, played too. It. So they, they were yep. – and I, so I, actually, I'm with you. We like Deshaun Jameson. I like Deshaun Jameson. But you can tell they were trying to move past Deshaun Jameson because I think they want these young bucks who – because I think they recruited him. Because remember, Sark said this last year, I just want guys that can play man-to-man coverage yep. and make our jobs easier so that we can just put extra guys in the box. And that's why they were moving away from Deshaun Jameson because say what you want. I love Deshaun Jameson. He has a great football skill set. And the guy still can play on Sundays. Yep. He's just not going to be considered a lockdown. Down corner. He's not a guy you're going to leave in man-to-man coverage. That's what Texas wants. That's why they were trying to go away from Deshaun James because although he's got a great skill set, he's better as an off-zone coverage corner. Right. Right, where he's uh, essentially able to triangulate the number two receiver with the number one and the QB and, and then process all that together and then jump a route. He's awesome. Yeah. But when I ask him, hey, I need you to go cover that cat, cat nice. defense, man-to-man, and play bump and run yeah. and get a jam and reroute that receiver, he can't do that. Yeah. And the coaches would have been stupid asking him to do something that he's not good That's at doing. That's why they did not do that. That's why they didn't do that, and then they put <laughs> exactly. other guys in there that could. They did. So what they want to do did. is they, Ryan Watts plays that bump and run uh, on, the, on, the, on the boundary side, and they mm. basically give him very little help, and he's really good at it. So they found one guy they know that can win one-on-ones, and Jade Barron also they trust winning one-on-ones. They're not sure about that field corner, and they like that field corner to be able to play bump and run too. Yeah. But you got a lot more field to defend if you're, you know, a bump and run corner on the field side that they really need to be able to trust that guy because they're not going to go at Ryan Watts. They're probably going to go at that other corner. Yeah. And remember, I was the other corner. They never threw at Quentin so Jammer, yeah. who was drafted top ten. They never threw at Nathan Vasher, who's the all-time leader in receptions at Texas. Who the hell do you think they're going to throw to? <laughs> they're throwing at that other guy. They didn't even know my name. <laughs> That other dude, we're throwing at that him. That dude over there. Yeah. 21. So you better find a way to win. Why don't you do some fun? Yeah, man. exactly. So <laughs> win more than you lose. So that's another thing to watch in this game. Those, those young, that young field corner, wherever he is, is he getting torched or is he winning right. more than he's losing? He's got to win more of those passes. If not, then, they got, then, then we know they got a problem. Like the Cowboys. Remember, you have a great defense. And my man Shannon always says this. Listen, you can have a great defense, but I doubt you got 11 all pros. Right. You got a weakness. Because one of those 11 guys is subpar. 
because you just it's a it's a salary cap league. You can't afford to pay all great players, and you ain't good enough to draft all great <laughs> players, and you ain't good enough to develop all great players. So all I gotta do is find that one or two weaknesses on your defense. No and the doubt. Cowboys had two of them. Remember, they had the corner opposite Trevon Diggs, and they had a they said that that D tackle that they went and got Justin Hankins. So they filled one of them. And what happened? That cornerback spot corner, came back yeah, to haunt them. It did. Because the NFL, all I gotta do is find one weakness, baby. I'm good. And I'm a start. I get one after. week. I'm yep. gonna pull at that thread to the whole damn sweater unravels. <laughs> That's it. Got to cut it off. Exactly. So you, off. as a coach, it's your, I, it's, it's actually your job to find out what your weaknesses are too, because you have to know it's exactly how teams are going to attack you. No doubt, they're going to attack you through that. We in Texas, it'll probably be that edge opposite Baron Sorrell, all right, and it's going to be the linebacker, the off-ball linebacker that ain't Jalen Ford, right, and it's going to be the corner. Opposite Ryan Watts. If I'm coaching against Texas, I'll tell you right now how I start my game plan. It has to I'm be going after Bender. Bender? Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm going after him. Corner opposite Ryan Watts. Whoever that edge guy is that wins that job opposite Sorrell. I'm going after. And you know what? Maybe they will. Maybe they, at one point, they will you know, rise to the occasion and they'll make me look like a fool for attacking them. And that's the point. If they do, that's then I'll stop attacking like. them. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to be like. But if they don't, it's going to be a long day. Unproven. Exactly. Right? you got to so, come out and prove yourself yeah. so right away. When you're looking at this team, look at that. Those are the weaknesses that they're going to attack. Those are probably the three spots that PK has got to sure up before the first game. And if he doesn't, well, then you know how he'll be attacked and exploited. It'll yeah. be that simple. And honestly, they'll probably still do that because those are the unproven commodities on the defense. Um, okay. Let's, we'll get to Rod's round the down other side. We'll jump to the offensive side of the ball. We talked a lot of defense there. We'll jump to the offensive side of the ball. I'll tell you conceptually, schematically, some things that I want to see. I also did a deep dive into the deep ball. Uh, I, watched, uh-huh. I watched last night every deep ball pass Texas threw last season. Every uh-huh. last one of them. Yes, I was up way too late. <laughs> uh, I watched every one of those passes. When we come back, I'll tell you something that oh, was just mind-blowing that I found a trend with Texas and the deep ball. We'll come back. We'll discuss that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Rod's Rant of the Day right here on Ball Don't Lie. Uh, a couple of things that I'm going to be looking for in the spring game, I think we'll all be looking for. Uh, this is the connection with the deep ball. Mm-hmm. I think we all want to see if Texas has more connectivity, uh, if they're more efficient on the deep ball. And the only reason it matters so much is because uh, Sark has gone on the record uh, several times now here in the spring saying, essentially, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he says, my offense needs the deep ball. Like you actually, it needs to, in order for his, his offense to be performing at its peak levels the deep ball has to be working and it's got to be clicking and last year uh, the deep ball was not clicking for coach Sark matter of fact it wasn't clicking for Texas at all period last year and you know one of the things that I I think that Sark really covets with the deep ball and I totally understand it and I get I get Sark's philosophy with the deep ball my uh critique would be the the um the, the lack of moderation at times with Sark in the deep ball and sometimes how it will put the, the offense in a hole. See, I think psychologically Sark needs his deep ball to instill fear in the opponent. 
and he basically wants them operating from a a fear-based position, meaning they're on their heels all the time. They're constantly on their heels, and it allows him to dictate the terms and dictate the tempo of the matchup. Now, you could argue at times, you know, what is, what is intended to inflict psychological damage and put fear into the opponent at times when you don't connect on those deep balls that it actually works against you and ends up inflicting more self-harm that your quarterback gets a little indecisive and he gets a bit insecure and that the offense now has to work from a deficit and works in a hole and then all those things. So you could argue that, yes, I know you want to inflict psychological damage on your opponent with the deep ball, and if it hits, then that's exactly what you're going to do. As a DB, I can tell you the one thing I feared more than anything as a defensive back was giving up the deep ball. And once somebody throws a deep ball on you, it plants a seed of fear in your mind. Mm -hmm. You're going to back up a little bit. You're going to back up a step. You're going to turn your hips a little bit sooner. You may give up some of those underneath routes and play top down if they start challenging you over the top enough. Very few corners get more aggressive. DBs get more aggressive when teams throw the deep ball on them. So he's just trying to turn you into a less aggressive defender. And I found this little stat. So I went and watched every deep ball last night. I got some more stats I'll share tomorrow uh, during the broadcast. But one thing I found, I found out, I want to find out how often and what downs Sark threw the deep ball on. This mind-blowing. I basically found out that Sark throws the deep ball on first down 48% of the time. His deep balls, basically 50% of his deep balls come on first down. He's stubborn about it. If you actually go and follow all the trends, you, you'd be, your mind would be blown as to how frequently he threw the ball deep on first down. It's all, he, he, he's not going for it on fourth down a ton and throwing it. Right. All right, so we're talking about three downs and 50% of the time he's on first down. Now, this lines up with my theory about the psychological damage he wants to, he wants to instill, right? Because he's throwing it on first down. Right? And he knows throwing it on first down, even if I don't connect. If I connect, great. But if I don't connect, it opens up other all right, aspects of the offense because they're going to play top down. The safety's probably back up a little bit. Corner's back up. And it's going to open up more avenues of offense. So I totally get it. But what would often happen to Sark, and in and, and the spring game, we won't be able to see this because I don't think he'll get uh, egregious with it in the, and gratuitous with it in the spring game. But he starts to chase that deep ball when he doesn't get it. Hmm. That's what happens to Sark. He starts chasing it. He's like Jones in Florida, like Pookie from New Jack City. Uh -huh. I need that deep ball, baby. Give me that deep ball. And y'all all remember, he would, he, he would throw it early, and he wouldn't get deep, and he wouldn't connect, and he, he, would, he, would, start, he would start throwing them. Yep. Like, down after down, you're like, what, what are we doing? You got B. John Robinson in the backfield with Rojo. Why the hell are you chunking it deep to X-Men with a broken hand and double coverage? I need that deep ball, baby. I'm Jones in Florida. <laughs> all right, and he would chase the deep ball, and, 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 that's, and that's the problem. The problem is when he chases the deep ball. Because chasing it, I would say it's like TLC. Don't go chasing waterfalls. All right? You're going right down with it. Please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. That's the quick game. That's the intermediate game. All right? The deep ball, that's the waterfall. It's like the three-point shot. You can live or die by the three. And we've seen teams die by it. And Texas died by the deep ball last year. They Oof, died by it. Did they ever. And, Sark, and this is a prideful thing with Sark. That's why this is about evolution of him as a play caller and head coach. This is a pride thing with him. We did see evolution, by the way. Remember that Baylor game? He decided to hell with it, man. I'm just giving it to – I'm going to put some Bijan on it with a side of Rojo. 
and they were we're gonna ride him to the promised land. He did it in a Kansas game. He did it yes, too. Yes, he did. So there were some games he decided I'm not gonna allow the deep ball to uh, in, in, I'm not gonna inflict self harm with this deep ball. I'm not gonna allow the deep ball to dictate all right the the identity of the offense. So. What I want to watch in the spring game is just that they're they're connecting on deep ball. They're connecting better on deep ball, and we did see Quinn throwing them bombs last year. Through one to Isaiah Nayor, it looked great. But as we talked about, you know, it's easier to throw them bombs if you're Quinn when teams were just lining up playing man coverage against him. Now, man coverage, yes, it's the best defense to play if you can play it, but it's also the simplest defense for a quarterback to diagnose and process. Yes. It's easy. Yes, it Once is. you see man, it's like, oh, man, it's all about ball placement now. Uh, Boom. I, and Give I my got guy a better chance. wide receiver than that DB. I there know you go. I'm going at, you said yeah. it earlier about singling out the weakness, right? Yeah. Yep. Is that, and, and by the way, uh, that's what Nick Saban did. Yep. Nick Saban was like, man, what? Quinn Ewers, what? Golden arm? I'll play man to man. Let's see. Let's see how golden that arm is. And he learned. Oh, it's pretty golden. Yeah. It's pretty golden. But then as the season went on, it wasn't just about the golden arm, right? Your feet got to be right. So if you got mm-hmm. bad footwork with a golden arm and you're processing slowly, well, we learned golden arm look like like yep. a tin arm. Yeah. You know, like a rusty. Look like my arm like now. A, like a rusty. Yeah, exactly. Look like my arm now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so yeah, the golden arm is great, and it's, it is a beautiful. I watched. Like I said I watched every deep ball and it oh there are some throws that Quinn makes and it just you want to take your pants off it is amazing like you just it's what? it's it just you want to celebrate what yeah I mean you do <laughs> it, uh, he, it really is he's got take your pants off type uh energy going with some of those passes it is amazing um but at times you would learn that and you point this out early hard when we we're just watching games when we'd be at our watch parties like man the footwork's a little off still made the throw but it would have been an easier throw he made the throw way harder than it needed to be yep. his feet yep. are facing one way and he's trying to side on it like he's my home's like okay as long as it works for him it's all good but as the season went on the footwork was never corrected but then teams started to challenge him yep. with pre-snap reads and pre-snap disguise and then the process and the diagnosis pre-snap and post-snap starts to become a little slower a little more discombobulated so what does that do that makes the feet even worse yep. and i don't give a damn how good your arm is no golden arm is gonna save bad footwork and slow processing yep. up top and i think for what i've heard the footwork has improved tremendously and i know the football iq has improved just because more reps and he's a freshman last year didn't play a lot so we saw those growing pains so with the deep ball though and it's another aspect of the deep ball i think is intriguing i found a little trend with in addition to by 48 percent of all the deep balls being on first down start trying to set the tone and it is a good tone setter if you hit it and it's a great tone setter and i'll say something too it's also a benefit there are a lot of pi calls that and i counted pi calls a win for the offense it should be and i i counted six pi calls from deep balls last year that you know obviously don't come up in the stats because you know pro football focus doesn't keep up with it so it's not really considered a win for the offense but to, to sark's point this is exactly what he wants if I throw it deep and your DB can't come, then I, I can win because your DB can be out of control. It's a win-win. And this is, and this is so I'm, I'm not trying to disparage Sark from doing it. I'm just trying to explain to you uh, the different outcomes and the effect it has on the offense. The reason to throw it deep, and I said this about watching high school football. I've been saying it for years. If I was a high school football coach, man, I'd chunk it deep all the time. Because the, the DBs can't cover when right, they can't cover right. deep balls. They can't. They, and, the re, and the reason they can't is not their fault. This is why they can't. Because most DB coaches, they can't throw it deep. Yep. It's a DB coach. 
If he was a if he was a quarterback, he'd be coaching quarterbacks. If he was an offense guy, he'd be coaching wide receivers. No, he he's a DB. He's a defender. That's probably why he's coaching DBs. And I can say right now, I've had great coach. Coach Aquino took a lot. Of, he, coach Aquino would come out and do throwing drills with the quarterbacks because he wanted to warm his arm up because he knew, like, I got to test my DBs a little bit on these drills. I got to throw it deep. I got to throw it deep. Most DB coaches can't throw it deep. Most DBs don't see deep balls so they get in team drill or they get in one-on-one. Think about it. Yep. Wide receivers, they go, they, they catch deep balls during drills all the time. That's, the DBs. Perp- that's what we do. And they catch them from quarterbacks. Yep. DBs don't do that. So that's why you should throw on DBs deep more often because they really, they, they really don't have a panic plan. They, they, they literally panic because they don't have a plan <laughs> when the ball's in the air. Uh, so that, I think Sark sees some of that too, and that's why you got six PI calls also last year from just throwing the deep ball. But here's something. because I'll get into this a little bit more uh, tomorrow during the broadcast. The reason the deep ball is also important for Sark because he marries a lot of his passing concepts to his run concepts. And he actually, this is a Shanahan trait. Most of Shanahan's uh, passing concepts are married to his run concept. They call it stacking. Basically, find out your three, four best run plays, whatever they are, inside zone, outside zone, Mm -hmm. counter, whatever. Find out what it is, and then you just stack plays on top of that, meaning you should have a play action off of that, an RPO concept off of that. You should have a bootleg off of that. You should have a naked off of that. You know what I mean? You should have a shot play, a deep play off of that. So basically off your four or five best run plays, then you end up with 20, 25 plays. That's because you're stacking on top of that, stacking those concepts. And Sark does it. Sark, is, he just stacks concepts on top of them. And the reason that the run game um, to me is so pivotal when he's marrying these concepts is because Sark's shots down the field are married to his – Play action passing game. Mm. I found roughly half, 50% of all of his deep ball shots, play action pass. Play action pass or an RPO fake. Uh, hell, there was even a time where he, he, had, uh, he had empty formation, had Hudson Card look at the sideline and kind of yeah. shrug his shoulders, and then he snapped it. And then he and then he went to and through through his progression. To me, I know it sounds to me that is a form of tactical deception. Right? That's yeah. basically what play action pass is. It's a form of a, a tactical deception. And that, that also can be used in the same manner. The, the double pass. Xavier Wordy throws the double pass touchdown to JT Sanders. I believe it was the West Virginia game, if I'm not mistaken. Could be off about that. But that is also kind of a form of tactical schematic deception. That's all play action pass is. And Sark, I believe, and this is in the uh, Alamo Bowl is a primary example. I went in and charted all the deep balls in the Alamo Bowl. I didn't see one deep ball off of a play-action fake in the Alamo Bowl. Mm-hmm. Not one. No. Now, it could have been he lost Bijan and Rojo. Still got to have it, though. Running game wasn't working, and maybe he decided, okay, running game ain't working. Um, I, I, basically, that means play-action ain't working. But he would be wrong. That's flawed logic. All the analytics, all the deep dive analytics have shown that basically defenders, we're so stupid. And I'm not, not, not saying that we're all stupid, but we do fall for the same fake. I always say that <laughs> it's <laughs> – think of play action pass like, like cleavage, all right? All you need is a peak, and nobody stares at cleavage. That's, that'd be improper. <laughs> that'd be rude, all right? You peak and you move on. That's what a play action fake is basically going to give you. It's 
eek. It's, 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 that's all it is. And that's all you need to occupy the eyes of the linebacker and put a defender in conflict. And that's all the play action pass is supposed to do. And I guarantee you, I don't give a damn who's running the ball. Harsh could be running that ball back there. Jake could be running the ball back there. It doesn't matter. A defender will bite because he wants to peek at that that's cleavage. That's what I've been saying forever. You will peek at that cleavage. That cleavage is going to you ain't going to stare. You're not going to leer, but you'll peek. Yeah. And all you want from the play-action pass is to get the, depend- the defender to peek. And for Sark, in that game versus Washington, the fact that he abandoned the play-action pass game, which is married and inexplicably linked to his you know, passing game and his run game, that to me is a failure in coaching. That's a dang coaching mistake. You still should have been using your play-action pass game because, as I point out, uh, most of your deep passes you connected on, were, were, you, were, were play action passes of some kind or RPOs of some kind, talking about 20 plus yards down the field, 38% uh, completion rate on play action passes uh, that were 20 plus yards down the field. When you went straight drop back and threw the ball deep, you connected on 17% of your passes. Not. And yet he threw it deep a ton in the Washington game with no play action pass. Yeah. What? I don't understand. <laughs> I'm confused. That's all I know. It was Coach Steven out there. That was not Coach Sark. That was Coach Steven. Remember, at the beginning of that game, he cussed out that poor official and went off on him and dog cussed him because that was Steven. Steven is an a-hole in a D-bag, but Coach Sark is awesome. And we love Coach Sark. He's creative, and he's on his way to being a great head coach one day. But Coach Sark did not show up to that game. That was Coach Steven, and Coach Steven – He's got issues. <laughs> Let's be honest. He's got some serious issues. What have issues. I been saying about Dak? Regardless of the situation, I said, where is he better? Play action pass. Yep. Run play action. I don't Every care quarterback if you're running is. back. Because to your point, your natural instinct, take a step up. I'm a pee. And look in there and what's see up? what's happening. It's human nature. I'm like, he was so much better. But everybody's like, oh, man, you got him dropping back. That's bad coaching. It's bad coaching. That's yeah. bad coaching. Why are you dropping your quarterback back without a cheat code? Yeah, and you're you, using you, you, right. analytics for everything you else. Had access to a cheat code and decided, nah, we don't want to use a cheat code. Yeah. No, use the cheat code. Exactly. The RPO, uh, the, the play action pass, use cheat code. And, and this is another thing, too. I, I will, I'll share some of these numbers, uh, obviously, during the broadcast. Another little number that came up, something I want to watch, and you guys should watch it, too, uh, in this game coming up uh, in the spring game. Screens. You're a big screen guy. Big you love time. screens. Love them. You've, you've been talking about screens forever. What percentage of Bijan's total yards would you guys think came from screens last season? I would say less than 10%. You'd be correct. 5%. That was the number, but I thought it was going to sound crazy. He and Rojo combined is 9.8%. So, so I was right around there. Right around there. So I don't know why. Cheat code. I'm not using it. He hates the screen. Hates the screen game. I don't know why he hates the screen game. And when your offensive line has issues with pass blocking, the screen game is perfect. It slows them down. It's it's the perfect. It's the perfect yes. counter to teams that are obviously uh, able to penetrate your pass protection. So that I, I got some other stuff. I'll share that with you guys. I promise. We'll get that in uh, the broadcast starting at 11 a.m. on Bevo Boulevard. That's right. Uh, we'll dive uh, deep into the spring game and we'll uh, slap it up, flip it, and rub it down. From oh no! <laughs> See, everybody doesn't get that reference. Well, man, Harsh does. All right, we come back. Another off the record on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie. Wonderful. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. 
We are looking live, ladies and gentlemen. We're hanging out at Ron Hoover RV. You can come out here and join us. We'll be out here about 15, 20 more minutes, but don't worry. You still have time to enjoy the spring extravaganza out here at Ron Hoover. It's great, folks. Uh, it's in Georgetown, right off 35. Uh, so if you're in the neighborhood today, come on and drop by. If not, Saturday and Sunday, they'll still be open with the spring extravaganza. Uh, over 200 RVs, boats, and mowers, all with great prices. You'll find the best deals anywhere right here at Ron Hoover RV for their spring extravaganza. It's going all the way through the weekend until Sunday. 512 Friday right here on Ball Don't Lie. That's from Patrick plays jams uh, from local bands and artists, very talented human beings that you can catch right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Amplified Heat, and they're playing part of a big party happening at the Austin American Statesman parking lot on Sunday. Oh, I, I went to, I don't know if I went to the party. I saw a party at the Austin American Statesman parking lot. It was, I think it was a Kentucky Derby party. I think, I think this is a motorcycle. A lot of parties. I believe this is a motorcycle party. Oh, okay. Yeah, they do theme parties at that party. They do crawfish there. boils out there too. Oh, uh, do they really? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay. I was I was not invited. I yeah. watched from a, I watched from afar. Uh, I was I was looking from afar. Yes, I was watching from afar. Uh, all right, gentlemen, we don't have a ton of time here, but I will get this uh, get this story out there. It looks like it's a done deal, guys. Uh, Dan Snyder no longer going to be the owner of the Washington Commanders, what I used to call the Washington racial slurs, uh, but. He's not going to be the the owner anymore. They are changing ownership, and he has agreed to sell the team. Mm. How about this? How about how about this old stat? Washington won forty three percent of his games since Dan Snyder purchased the team in nineteen ninety nine. That's down. He won from what? Only forty three percent of their games <laughs> since he bought the team. That's that's their win percentage since he bought the team. That is down nearly <laughs> down from sixty percent under the previous owner, Jack Kent Cook. Wow. That's 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 awful. They were awful under Dan Snyder. It's because he's awful. They said it. I saw. I saw. <laughs> Attitude it. reflects leadership. Exactly. That guy's pretty awful. Captain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so NFL, I'm sure they are. They are thrilled about this because uh, they want fresh ownership, yep. new, fresh money, if you will, in their billionaires' club, um, and they're going to get it. So I think the. Uh, the new purchase price. It's not official, official, but I think they said uh, Josh Harris and that ownership yep. group. Magic uh, Johnson's involved with that yes. group as well. Uh, I believe the number thrown out there was uh, six six point zero five yeah. billion. Billion with a B. Billion with a yeah. B. With a B. Dang. Yeah. With a B. He bought it for like less than nine hundred million. Yeah. That's 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 some ROI for you, bro. That is, yeah, <laughs> that's right. some ROI for you. Yeah, the uh, the NFL. Yeah, you're right, man. Right now, they are just such a juggernaut in the uh, entertainment industry that even if your team is bad, you're it's still good. worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Jerry Jones is still good. The Cowboys. The Cowboys are winning 12 games lately. I know that's great, but the Cowboys are like the most valuable franchise in the world. Sports franchise in the world. Ain't sniffed the NFC exactly. championship game. <laughs> I ain't even talking about the Super Bowl. I'm talking about an <laughs> NFC Championship game. Ain't even. They can't get they, close to. They can't even sniff it. <laughs> like, come on, man. Yeah. So uh, it doesn't really matter. But the Washington team, um, they're going to obviously kind of set a new precedent for these t- these uh these the value I should say valuation of these teams. What did the Denver Broncos sell for? Was it five billion? It was. And it, it means it's going up like a billion dollars now. That was, that was like a and year ago. And, and think about it: the Denver Broncos versus. Buying the Washington Commanders, yeah, I would have, I would have much more wanted to buy the Broncos. 
I agree. I think Washington's more valuable because yeah, that's a good point. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, actually, because trying to figure their out why. Stadium is a dump. Yeah, that's a good question. Why People are, are bringing their own benches to the game. That's a, I don't know why they're more valuable. They haven't upgraded anything on that field. Maybe because everybody knows they're a sleeping giant because the owner has pretty much been holding them back. He has been investing no resources. He's not hiring the right people. 43% and of ma- their game. Yeah, so right. maybe they're thinking, like, listen, Denver, they have maximized their potential a little bit in the last few years, right? They won a Super Bowl, brought in Peyton Manning. They've, they've actually been able to compete for championships. Washington hasn't been able to do that because of they've been mired in dysfunction and they're kind of a fluster – cluck of a franchise and I do think that if they get the right ownership yep. hire the right coach have some good drafts hell they may end up being a sleeping giant that could be true right so maybe that's well it. I like them being who they are because they're in the NFC East so that's I true. want them to be bad and continue <laughs> to go through turmoil that's true. I want them under investigation every year <laughs> I want all that drama for them <laughs> well all the drama's gone now yeah, Dan Snyder, he was the source of all the drama so uh, Cowboys fans y'all might have another headache on your hands oh, in my that goodness. division but you already got the Eagles and the Giants ain't no scrub right uh, exactly. now exactly they're making they did moves. keep Daniel Jones though so I'm good yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. That is, I, I, you know what? Give Brian Dayball some credit because I never saw Daniel Jones getting what? He get forty million. Forty million. Daniel Jones. And uh, Lamar Jackson, by the way, is only getting thirty-two point five. Yeah, you don't get what you deserve. Exactly. You get, get what, what you can <laughs> negotiate. There you go. You go get what you get and don't <laughs> throw a fit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come right back. Uh, we got uh, last segment of the show. We'll let you know what's on tap. We'll talk NBA a little bit right here on Ball Don't Lie. Wonderful night on. The ball don't lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a 5-1-2 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. That's when my man Patrick plays jams and songs from local bands and artists, very talented human beings, that you have a chance to catch live right here at the live music capital of the world. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Shiny Ribs, and he is playing tonight at the Far Out Lounge. Shiny Ribs. Damn, that's good. I ain't gonna lie, that's good. That is, I'm not gonna lie, Shiny I mean... Who wants ribs that aren't shiny? <laughs> they got a glisten. Gl- exactly. They got a glisten. Want ribs glistening, That's right. I need that caramel look. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. They don't like, damn, actually, right there on the something. Shiny yeah. ribs. <laughs> what other kind of ribs do you want? That's right. That's uh, right. There you go. I'm in Patrick. I was hooking this up for a 5-1-2 Friday. This is the last segment of the show for us. Um, we're off early at 6-15 to give you up to Texas baseball. Coming up uh, right after we're done, uh, Craig Way will have uh, the pregame there. So don't go anywhere. But uh, we're getting to some NBA discussion while we got a little time here. Uh, I just want to kind of go through and pick the games. We don't have enough time to really break down the games. Uh, we can go just kind of kind of pick the games and uh, pick the games come this weekend because you also have actual playoff games, not play-in games. Right, right. That are starting up this weekend. Uh, so starting tonight, though, you'll have Chicago at Miami. I do not know if Dr. DeRozan is going to be making the trip. He said <laughs> she was not because his daughter had to, you know, she had to go to school. She could have flew out today. So come on, man, I it's got the weekend. I got access to private planes. Exactly. I got some cash. Get her there. Uh, but he said now she needs to go to school. But uh, that was one of the uh, distractions that helped out the Chicago Bulls uh, win. And uh, now Chicago facing Miami uh, to try to solidify their playoff hopes. Who you got in this one, Archie? Uh, Miami. 
they're at home, and I think I that they're going to end up winning this game. I would not be mad if Chicago gets in it because I do want to see a little bit more of Zach Levine and see what he can bring to the table. Uh, he and Patrick Beverly. That's what 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 you call him yesterday, Patrick. Playing, playing, Pat. playing, playing, Pat. <laughs> playing. Let's see if he gets better today. Because I would like to see him in a whole series and how he reacts to everybody. Oh, drama. Yeah, exactly. Dude. Like T- <laughs> that's why the game's on TNT because they want drama. Yeah. No, so I'm doesn't. looking at them, and I, I, I'm looking at uh, Miami winning at home tonight, though. I know. I, Miami has such a disappointing performance. Yeah. In that play-in, I picked Miami actually uh, to win uh, that play-in game. Obviously, I was wrong, and it, it was so it's such a weird game for them too. Um, I do think Miami will bounce back. Uh, I I like that squad. I just like the clutch scoring of Jimmy Butler too. Um, so I'll, I'll take Miami at home as yep. well. Uh, also tonight, you have uh, Oklahoma City. Uh, they're going to be at Minnesota. Man, Minnesota's still dealing with some issues. At least they'll get uh, uh, Rudy, Rudy Gobert, Gobert back. back. Yeah. yeah, there you go. And if y'all haven't seen Anthony Edwards yet. I mean, <laughs> keep on, you gonna, you gonna jinx the I'm man a, again? I'm gonna, I'm, no, I'm, a, I'm on. hit on one of these numbers on the this dude. Again? I'm like, dog, you can't play that bad uh, again, can you? For those who don't know, Hart <laughs> interrupted. Like we were getting ready to end the show. <laughs> prior to Oklahoma City's last game, uh, and I saw that New Orleans, uh, Oklahoma, Minnesota, 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 sorry, game. Minnesota yeah. game, and he interrupted the show to say, "Hey, y'all need to watch Anthony Edwards if y'all hadn't seen him, man." <laughs> My man went three of seventeen, yeah. zero for nine from three. It did. It did. It, yeah, that that didn't age well. It did. did not age well. But in case y'all home. hadn't seen him, watch how much he improves from last game. They gonna need. They need him because they're playing at home. He better come out and score. You yeah. playing at home? They go. They gonna need him, man. Yeah. No question about it. Uh, and also, uh, just talking about OKC, man. I, I think people. We obviously you watch a lot of NBA. So does yep. Patrick because you guys have the NBA pass. Uh, but for those who have not watched a lot of Oklahoma City Thunder this year, right? I mean, Gilgers. They have, yeah, yeah. Gilgers Alexander is just a freak, man. Yeah. And I, I gave that stat uh, basically that it has been. You go look at the players who have averaged uh, thirty-one points, mm-hmm. um, like he has, uh, and how many of them have been left off the all in all first team NBA, and the only player that has been found to average that and been left off that first team of NBA, I believe, was Allen Iverson. Ooh. Uh, but he's not going to make first team. We know that. But uh, just showing you, like, that dude, he's, uh, he's unbelievable. He's the real deal. But getting back to it, how young this Oklahoma City thing, uh, team is. They're so young. Yes. I mean, their line they're, – they're, they're basically going to look at the starting lineup for them. It was 20, 21, 24, 20, and 23. Oh, yeah. And, you know, get a guy that doesn't get a lot of love, Giddy. Giddy went off. Yes. Giddy. He's a beast. Yeah, Giddy had 31 points, 10 rebounds. Yes. Giddy went off in that matchup. But, yeah, I just I didn't realize Oklahoma, – and Oklahoma City's got tons of picks. Okay, let me ask Patrick. Do these picks – And Chet even, Holgram's not even playing yet. That's true. Patrick, do these picks even matter? Oklahoma City has, I believe, it's 15 first-round picks in the next five drafts. Does this matter? Or are they just Yes, collecting? because you can trade them for other players and try and – like so even if you don't take the, all the picks, you're able to package them and go, here's seven picks for a guy. Yeah, that's you, true. Yeah, you really want them. Yeah. I know that first-round picks are devalued in the NBA, but 15 of them might do something for you over five. Hey, right? that's what they're, they're saying about <laughs> so second-round picks. One of those. Second-round yeah. picks right now is the whole deal. Is like, well, two second-round picks aren't worth anything, but if I got 25 of them. Someone's going to want some. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. No, that's, that's – Especially when you try to get that kid that went to Australia to play. 
when he becomes a second-round pick, I didn't want to come to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Too soon, Hart. Too soon. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Thunder, they're uh, – sorry. And you're going to look at it. The, they're, just, they're just one of the youngest teams in NBA history if they end up, you know, as a playoff team officially. Uh, okay. I want to thank my man Patrick for doing a great job, as he always does. Uh, I want to thank all you guys out there for listening. And I want to thank the good folks at Run Hoover RV. That's it's right. great. That's Spring right. extravaganza. Hearts, what kind of prizes can they win out Make here? Make sure you get out here and sign up for the raffle prizes. Get the prizes. 55-inch TV, Blackstone Grill, Woo-hoo. Bad Boy String Trimmer. Make sure you come out here tomorrow. They will be out here selling, selling, selling. And Rob <laughs> might be buying, buying, buying. All right. I want to thank my man, Hearts. I want to thank Patrick. Uh, thank Jacob, Marcus. Thank everybody out there who came out to visit us. We really appreciate you guys. Remember, the revolution will be televised. We talk about it right here on Ball Don't Lie. We love you guys. We mean that. Take care of yourselves. But more importantly, take care of each other. Texas, Baseball with Craig Way, the voice of Longhorns, coming up next. Peace. Peace.